0: Welcome, Bowlers, to another edition of Talking Bowls. I'm David Kenford, and we're brought to you by the three little ducks in the Doree of Quay. Uh, it's been a few weeks since my last podcast, so there's been lots to talk about, and I think it uh, might be best to get stuck straight into it. Although, just to let you know, we do have an interview this week, so it's not just listening to my voice, and I'm going to be joined by Jared Long of the Kingborough Bowls Club, which should be uh, interesting to see what's going on down there as uh, they push towards... Um it would be their first premiership title if they're able to, to win this year. Now, let's start with the most controversial topic first and that was Glenorchy Rodman being penalised 12 points for fielding an ineligible player. Uh, so for those that aren't aware, Josh Mab joined Rodman from the Sandy Bay Bowls Club. However, his clearance and registration wasn't finalised in time, according to the Bowls South, which saw Glenorchy Rodman lose their 12 points. Now, it's, a, it's an interesting situation that find themselves in. Uh, because we need to make sure that the rules are being upheld correctly. We don't want to allow people just to play without being registered or cleared from previous clubs. Um, so it appears as though that, that's what has happened, and unfortunately for Glenorchy Rodman, someone at their club hasn't put in the paperwork to get it done, and their team suffered the, the penalty of those 12 points. Now, as for the game itself, we'll... Is that totally fair on the Sorrell Bowls Club? Because Sorrell, who played against Penalty Rodman in the first game, they only walked away with two points. Playing against an eligible player, they don't get any of the 12 points that Penalty Rodman have had taken away from them. Now, uh, Josh is a very good player. He was one of the top skips last year for Sandy Bay. Now, what was his influence on the game from an overall perspective? At the end of the day, no one really knows, but should... Maybe Sorrell even get the two points for the rink that Josh played on, at least uh, as a um, compromise. Uh, I don't know the answer. I don't know what's fair, but I do think as though Sorel has a little bit uh, uh, a little bit put out by the situation. Can you imagine, say, two or three players played unregistered? Does that mean the other team would get the points or come to the last game in the season and someone decides to play? Um, five or six players who've flown down from Melbourne and they're all not registered and they managed to stop someone from scoring points, is that going to be a fair outcome? So I think it's something that needs to be looked at is if someone plays an eligible player, fair enough that they lose their points because we want to ensure the integrity of the game and the clearance system is actually in place. But should the opposing team actually get some points from that situation? But I guess the main concern from the other Premier League clubs is uh, has the bear been poked? And that's a bit of a a quote from, from Lee Schreiner who isn't currently playing for Rodman but will play some games when he's not playing for Essendon. But uh, having the rainy reigning rainy Premier lose 10 points might be a way of uh, getting their butt into gear and focusing them on making sure that they uh, have a extra good season this year. So it's, uh, well, it's uh, it doesn't happen very often, in, especially in the Premier League, where an under-edged player plays. So... It's uh, not a common occurrence and um, I'm sure people read in the paper that Josh Mabes also decided not to play for the Rodman Bowl Club going forward. So, the uh, the experiment didn't work but uh, best of luck to, to Rodman and Josh in, in what they decide to do in, in the future. Well, uh, let's not shy away from the controversial topics but uh, Rick Omrod started a can of worms by some of his comments by the, uh, the Southern Side Collection. It's the Southern Side Selection. Wow, that was a... Good plan worked. Um I thought it was an interesting, some interesting conversation happened on Facebook. And it was, I thought it was good to see the selectors even come out and, and post a, a reply to some of the things that have been said. But you can kind of feel for some of the players and, and what's happening and, and who gets picked in the side. But you can also feel for the selectors. First of all, there's not that many people put the hand up to select when it comes to these type of teams and the main reason is is that there shouldn't really be an age where it cuts off where people are able to play. So people always think they're actually good enough to still play on the side. People get to a certain age or or they're maybe not at that level, they go, Well I can't make the team I'm gonna become I'll gonna become a selector or put my name forward to be a selector. So the three people that are doing it haven't had to haven't had to go through a voting process because no one else wants to do it. If no one else wants to do it, really, who are we to sit back and, and complain about the selection? Having said that, if I'm going to create a podcast and talk about bowls, then I need to actually talk about the selection. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do because uh, a lot of the selectors I know and I respect them and I don't want to be too critical of them because I appreciate the job they're doing. And I also am very respectful of the people that have been picked in the team. Um, but you look at the team and it's... It's interesting to see how the team is being picked. First of all, you have to pick the players that are in the state side. we've got three players that are in the state side, which is Lee Schreiner, Darren Monks, and Roy McMullen. Now, Route is unavailable from for this game because he's going to be at a wedding, so he's not actually in the team of 12 up in the Northwest Coast. Um, but even the players in the state squad need, need to get a look in, but some of those are unavailable. But when you look through the 12 players and Usually you want to see people picked in this team that have had previous success in uh, southern competitions or in state competitions. And when I say success, I mean at least have made the semifinals of one of those competitions. And I I, I want to remain respectful and dignified, so I'll say I'm not going to name names, but there are three people in the team. But have not made the semi-finals of a southern competition or a state competition for the last three years. All the other nine players have. Now, do those three people justify their position in the team? Or are we in a situation where we're not really that interested in how people um, play in southern competition and the state competitions? I'd like to think we are, because that's the real pressure situation. If you're in a state competition, you need to be playing well because you're playing the best of the best that are in the state. And if you can't handle the pressure of that situation, then maybe you shouldn't be playing for the south. Now, the three players that are there are being given their chance to actually show they can play, and the selectors came out and said, we're going to pick players that have previously played well for us as well, but two of those three players are making their debut for the southern side, so that doesn't really wash that reasoning there. Another the thing you do have to take into account is that the selectors' hands are tied, where they have to pick three under 25 players. Now, I can see why the rule's in place, because they want to encourage young people to play, and at the end of the day, maybe we need to look back and go, well, why is the Southern team actually playing? Are we only really playing so that we can pick a state side? or are we playing to prove which region is the best? If we're playing to see which region is the best, then we probably need to scrap the three under 25 players, because the South want to prove that they're better than the others. And at the moment, the North West have been unstoppable. I think, I'm sure a North West player will show in the comments, but they've won something like five of the last six um, men's competitions. So, but that doesn't affect the Southern selectors. Their hands are tied from the Bold Tasmanian board, that so they must pick three under 25 players, which only affects one of those three that I'm talking about that haven't, haven't achieved anything yet. Now, when you say, well, are there other there are a lot of players unavailable, okay? And you could probably name a good rink or two of players that can't play, but they've chosen not to play for a reason. I'm one of those players. I, I can't commit. I feel as though I can't commit to actually uh, support my teammates in that situation. And I can't commit because I want to be with my family. And other people have their reasons as well as why they can't play. But the four players that, that are next in, based on form, based on how they've gone recently in southern and state competitions, Tom O'Brien, Gene Aiton, Keegan Booth, and Josh Baker are all four players that are, are good quality and would surely feel hard done by because they have actually played in those regional and state competitions and, and achieved well. So, like I said at the start, I don't envy the selectors. It's um, Having been a selector at Rosney Park for the last two years, having to make the tough decisions when you drop people or who to decide, it's not an easy thing to do. But I would, the one thing I would say in this whole process is as the Rosney Park selector, I've never received a phone call or I've never been spoken to by any of the three selectors, as in who is playing well in your pen and slide. Now, as uh, Rosney Park premiers two years ago, last year not so good, and so from last year I would probably maybe say, well, maybe there's There's no-one at the moment that deserves to get a spot in the team. However, in previous years, I remember having conversations with Phil Hobbs and saying, well, uh, Mick Sweeney was playing really well for us at that time and said he should be given a go, and he was, because he was playing well, and he's still currently in the side. I think that all the clubs should be able to at least voice, if the the pennant is going to be something that you pick the team on, then then players from each team should be spoken to uh, to be given their point of view as to who is actually playing well. Uh, sometimes the selectors, because they play with players all the time, they see those players at practice and they see those players on Saturdays, they're able to judge a better opinion of those players as opposed to players they don't see. So it's not an easy situation. Uh, I don't have any plans of becoming the selector anytime soon. But uh, let's hope that the 12 players selected can have a, a great trip up on the northwest coast and come away with a couple of wins. And those players that I mentioned and maybe a few others, hopefully they will be prepared to put their name up and they haven't been turned off by what's happened and we can have a strong uh, second side for Southern Tasmania when it comes down here. Uh, While we're speaking of uh, championships, etc, it's probably a good point just to highlight to people that aren't aware that entries for the Southern Fours close on November the 4th. So if you want to organise a team, please make sure that you do that by that time. And those matches are being played on the 15th and 22nd of November. So obviously the 15th is the section of play. If you win your sec, if you win your section, then you go forward to the 22nd of November to play. Uh, well, let's go cracking back to the actual pennant. And it's a uh, it's been a it's a cracking season so far. I've been really interested in, in how things are going, and it's uh, Bucks that sit well out on top at the moment. It's, The only team to have won three wins and to have kept their points at the moment on 35, uh, followed by Kingborough, Dover and Rodman, who are on 26, 25 and 22. Uh, So Dover have done a great job and they narrowly lost to uh, to Rosny on the weekend by two shots and that really could have gone any way. Both teams receiving a few lucky wicks when they're being three down towards the end of the game. But Rosny just held on. If Dover would have managed to win that game, it would have uh, put them right up there with three wins. Uh... Kingborough and Bucks were the two teams that people expected to really be challenging Rodman at the start of the season. Obviously, uh, Rodman are uh, down in fourth only based on the, the point we talked about at the start of the episode. It was really close with New Norfolk 21, Sandy Bay 20, Beltana 19. Uh, all have won one game. Claremont 15, Rosny 11 have also won one, but due to their poor performances in the other games, are uh, a bit probably half a game behind the New Norfolk, Sandy Bay and Beltana. And uh, Terrell, who have only just joined us in Premier League, are only on four points at the moment, but you'd say that uh, they're going to win a few games at home. So it's going to be a, a really close battle to make the four and to avoid relegation, and, and none none more so than, than the round we've got currently. So Filtana and Rosny Park, both on one win. So both teams will be keen to actually show that they're, they're uh, going to be prepared to challenge for the four. You've got Dover versus Rodman in Dover. Now... If they ever want to prove that they are actually not only a top four contender, but a premiership contender, then this is a game they're really going to need to push Rodman to the wire, if not take the victory. You've got Kingborough playing Bucks in Kingborough. So this is the, the two teams that everyone uh, thinks are, are going to make a grand final. And Bucks have got off to a great start. They're now going to be playing down at Kingborough. Are they going to be able to, to knock them off down there? It should be great to see. Sandy Bay and New Norfolk only one point separates them. Sandy Bay coming off a absolute thrashing from Bucks and New Norfolk coming off a win. Can New Norfolk go down to Sandy Bay and also play well? And then you've got Sorrell playing Claremont. Now, this is the type of game Sorrell needs to win. Claremont have only won one game so far. They're feeling very confident. A Few of the other teams probably think that Claremont probably won't make the four. And if Sorrell want to avoid that relegation, they're going to need to beat teams like Claremont at home. So that should be a, a, a really interesting a matchup. But it's um just it's great to see so many different players, some new names playing really well. You've got uh, a Mitchie Banks from New Norfolk playing really well. You've got uh, Jake Tyrell from, from Buck, who's moved down from the northwest coast. He's been playing well. Uh, Roger Dale from Dover. So some, some names being thrown about, but if you're looking at form, um, well, maybe they need to be, Given a look in for the, uh, the southern side as well. So some uh, great performances by individuals and and by the uh, teams themselves. Uh, I've had a quick, quick look at Division 1. Uh, interestingly, no team has won three games. Tower have had two wins and a draw, and they sit on top of the ladder on 31 points. But it's only three points in front of Beltana and Brighton on 28. And then it's really close because you've got Cremorne and Derwent City on 26, Deeston on 25. And then a half-game drop to Rosny Park, 18, Buck, 17. And then it's Royal Hobart on eight and St. John's Park on three. So it's another division that's, that's really interesting because you've got Howrah, Brighton, Cremorne, Delancey, Geest and all think they're a chance to be promoted. And, and really, they are. Um, and they've, after three games, there's only six points between them. packing um, Beltana in the middle as well. Uh, so it's a, it's an exciting division and this week, Bucks play Brighton, Melbourne uh, City and Jeeveson should be a cracker of a game. Bees travelling up to Melbourne City. Hara play Cremorne. It's the type of game that if Cremorne want to prove they can play not only nice and thick, they need to actually play well. They, Cremorne lost to Rosny Park on grass. They need to play well against Hara on grass. Uh, Rosny play Royal Hobart for a team that will give a bit of them a, a bit of a jump. And St. John's Park play Beltana at home. So St. John's Park only on three points last season. They played pretty well. They really don't want to find themselves being in a a relegation battle. So two great divisions. And then you go down the other divisions as well. And there have been some great performances by different clubs. But they're the two main competitions I'm going to be looking at the podcast. And uh, it's really exciting to see what's going on. But let's finish the uh, the episode with a, a chat to Jared Long and Kingbra Bowls uh, As I said, Kingborough is a, a great chance to, to make the finals, and I think most people have got them in their in their top four, but it's uh, a case of whether or not they can push towards the grand final. So I'll have a chat to Jared and, and see what he thinks, and he's also been selected on the southern side, but uh, i try not to be too controversial because I don't want to get him offside with the selectors. But uh, let's cross to Jared Long. Uh, It's with great pleasure I now get to introduce Jared Long from the Kingborough Bowls Club. Welcome, Jared. Hi, how are you going? I'm good, thank you. Now, uh, this year you've taken over the selector's role at the Bowls Club. How are you finding that role so far? Yeah,
1: not too bad at the moment. We had a little bit blip last
0: week, but uh, yeah, that's all pretty good. Uh, A little bit of a blip. Only a six-shot loss to Gwimoki Rodman, who are the defending premiers. You must have been pretty pleased that the the game was a close one. Did you feel as though you, you had a chance during the game?
1: Yeah, we were really pleased with the game. Um, We thought we were in it for
0: most of the time. We were just a little bit disappointed we couldn't finish off. Uh, And that also followed the wins in Round 1 and Round 2 against uh, the Eastern Shore teams. Eight shots over Volcano and 41 shots over Rosney Park. So, overall, a a reasonably uh, good start to the season, seeing you sit in, uh, I think, the second spot at at the moment. And obviously looking forward to push forward this week against Bucks. we
1: sort of set
0: up uh, where we are for the season, I think, Um give us a bit of an indication of how we're travelling. Yep, yeah, with well, uh, close game against Rodman isn't going to tell you, I think Bucks are having not lost a game uh, yet so far should be uh, the match of the round, especially with you guys getting a chance to, to play at home. But uh, from a personal perspective, you must be pretty happy with how you're playing. Three wins, 22 shots up, currently the second-ranked skip in the South. Um, well, I think that... Uh, yeah. have been playing very well, so
1: yeah, they've been setting things up um, nicely for me. It's nice to play through winning heads, um, yep. yeah, so it's a bit
0: easier like that. And you've got young Will Code, who's travelled up from CR uh, Signet. The player with you is playing three for you at the moment. How uh he found the, the change from the, the lower divisions to the Premier League? Well, um, uh, just looking at the way he's bowling, I, I think that uh, he's uh, found it. he's done it pretty easy, to say the truth. Yeah, um, He's a pleasure, uh, pleasure from the side, really. And speaking of new players to the club, you also picked up Palin Mayo from Sandy Bay, and he's uh, got off to a good start with his skipping. He's also won two out of the three, and when he played against us, he, he played very well. Yeah, he looked a great asset to the club, great asset to the
1: club,
0: and um, and a nice fellow too, so it sort of fits in really nicely. That's good. And what are your expectations for the year, for, for Kingbury this year? Do you think if you don't make the finals, you'll. Uh, be seen as a bit of a failure? Are you set on that top four or are you really pushing towards uh, finishing top two to make sure you get that second chance? Top four would be um, what we're looking for. I mean, top two would be ideal. Yeah. We're sort of in a a bit of a funny situation at the moment. We're trying to push a bit of use um, in with uh, Will um, and also Ryan in his threes. Yeah. So, you know, we know things can go
1: arrive sometimes with the uh, young fellas, but we're trying to score them as much as we possibly can. Um, sort of following a model, a bit like Sandy Bay have done, and it's been proven to be very successful over the years. So, yep. yeah, well, if we can fire that down, I mean, if we don't make it this year, we
0: just set, set this up really well for the years again. Now, last year we had about uh, five or six Friday night matches, but the club this year has steered away from those. Was there a reason why they decided not to... Go ahead with those again this year? a uh, couple of probably
1: reasons. They did finish quite late. Yep. Um, we and to try and get people there when people were working and then starting at a reasonable time and uh, we weren't finishing until um, half past eleven sometimes. Yep. Um so some of the boys found it hard. Um it didn't really work to our advantage
0: either. It was no high ground advantage at all. I think we lost three out of Yeah, it's interesting. I was having a chat with someone else about it, and for us as, a, as an outsider, only playing that one Friday night match and finishing late probably wasn't too bad. But for the Kingbrook players who had to do that four times, you so say becomes a bit bit taxing on them. Uh, There's been some conversation about the southern side, but you must be pretty pleased to be selected as a skip Which kind of backs up some of the good form uh, you've been in. I know uh, you had a good run I think it was in the in the fours last year and the triples in the south And then you also uh, won the champion champion singles in the south So you must be pleased to be recognized for that that good form you've been showing in Pennant and in the regional competitions. Yeah, very pleased, very
1: pleased and and being named in a side like that uh, is really fantastic Um, and it's great to play against um, uh, all the players
0: and other people you don't normally see from around the state. Yep. Um, and it just brings um, better competition, I think. Yep. Now, some of the players, uh, some of the younger players, might not realise you actually uh, played at Rosney Park previously when you were a bit younger, and you had a, a lot of success playing with players such as Pat uh, Hoffman and, and John Boatright. How do you find playing against those players now? And uh, what's it, what was it like having that break and then coming back to the sport? the blokes
1: is um, look I know them pretty well and I still play a bit of bowls with Pat now um, especially in the off season we play um, in the indoor centre a few times so I enjoy playing against them they are very good bowls yep um, um, and if you give them a little bit you're going to be in big big trouble <laughs> yep but um, and and
0: the difference it is, it's a completely different game if yep. I come back I've got, I got a real shot Yeah. yep So what was the major difference as you found
1: um, probably due to the bowls Um, So the way that you're looking at the head now is a bit more aggressive, I suppose. You can play a lot of narrow line
0: with a lot less weight through into the head, looking to roll a ball out, where it was a lot harder to do that sort of thing on a running green. left. Excellent. Now, you're going to be the the first victim of something I'm introducing this year, which is a a quick uh, 10 questions at the, the end of the interview. Uh, so you probably uh, haven't got a lot of notice about some of these questions. So we'll, uh, we'll go through them quickly and hopefully uh, this will give us a bit of insight to some of the players we're interviewing. So uh, what was the first bowls club you played for? Cognito. Uh First set of bowls you owned? Oh, Maestro's. Oh, same as me. Uh, first skip you played for? Oh, I don't know, actually. I can't remember. Okay. Uh, what's the best piece of bowls advice you've been given?
1: From my father, the little ring to the
0: inside. <laughs> uh, what's the, if you could pick your ultimate rink of players that you've played with, who would be in the rink? Um, in no particular order, probably, um, and I'll just stay with the
1: uh, King boys, of course, uh, David McLean, um, Shane Garth, and uh, Jason Fowler. Um, yeah, in no particular order, any of those blokes in the rink, I'd, I'd love to find
0: any of them. And would you be skipping that rank or would you give it to someone else? Well, I reckon Dave might just sneak. Okay. Uh, what's the best rink of players you've played against?
1: Um, the best rink that I've actually played
0: against? Well, if you could make up a, a four of, of the best players you've played against. Yeah, um, uh, Lee Schreiner, I think would be, uh, would it, you'd have to be crazy not to mention him, Lee, Cameron Tech, uh, Rowdy, and probably Rowan Cooper. I reckon that, that would be a superstar rink. Yeah, top players there. Uh, what's your best individual bowls achievement? Uh,
1: individual bowls achievement, probably the, um, the junior champion championship this year, I'd say.
0: Yep. Uh, what's your best sporting achievement outside of bowls?
1: Best sporting achievement outside of bowls. That's a good one, I've played lots of sports, um, but only in schoolboy,
0: probably, I don't know, indoor cricket or cricket or forty or something like that. But, didn't take a hat-trick in the indoor cricket or anything like that? Oh. Uh, no, I don't know, <laughs> uh, who's the most underrated player at Kingborough? And and who's the tightest player? Who's got uh, mothballs in their wallet at Kingborough? The tightest player. Yep. <laughs> who, who do you struggle to get a beer out of? I <laughs> no, they're all very good. Oh yeah. come on, you got to top someone in. There's always one. <laughs> Okay, we'll get to we'll let you get away with that. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining us Jared. best of luck on the weekend and uh, also best of luck from all the south for when you make the trip up to the northwest coast and hopefully we can uh, knock off the the spud diggers in the northerners. Yes, come on the south. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, thanks Jared. Thanks mate. Well that wraps up another episode of Talking Pulse. Uh, I'd be remiss of me just to quickly mention the uh, success of both Lee Strainer and Mark Neitz today who uh, were crowned the champions at the Moima Pairs, which I think is the richest Pairs Tournament in Australia. So I think they got $12,000 uh, prize money to share between the two of them. So they must be uh, pretty stoked with that. We might even see if we can, we can tap one of them soon and, and see how they enjoyed the event. I know there was about uh, five Tasmanian teams or players, Tasmanian players up there. It was also good to see ex-Tasmanian Brad Peck do really well. He almost... Uh, I think though him and Trainer uh, were both undefeated going into the last round, so he had a, a great result too. Uh, thanks again to Jared Long for joining me and, and being my guinea pig with my top 10 questions, and uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Uh, leave some comments on Facebook, let me know what you thought, uh, especially with uh, any of the audio. I know I just had a quick listen back to the interview, and, and some of uh, Jared's comments are a little bit quiet, but I'll try and uh, rectify that. But Probably best if you can listen to it on a a PC with the the volume up. It it sounded fine on mine, but I know some people have had issues with their phones before. But uh, hopefully that's not too bad. And uh, thanks again to Three Little Ducks for their sponsorship. Check them out on the Bell Reef Quay if you're over on the eastern shore looking for somewhere to eat. And uh, good luck to everyone playing this weekend. Cheers.